Matthew 28. Today we celebrate our risen Savior and that He is not in the grave. Can anybody say amen? He's not in the grave. Hallelujah. He's the only one not in the grave. That means if you've lost any loved one, if you've heard of anybody dying, they're still in the grave. Okay? If you died, you, 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 you were going to be in the grave. Okay? All right? There's a couple men that were, you know, brought out of heaven, I mean brought out of earth, Enoch and Elijah. They were called up, but they never went to the grave. Had they died, they'd still be in the grave. <laughs> There's only one risen person that's risen from the dead and, and actually is in heaven with his glorified body. His name's Jesus. Hallelujah. But he is not in the grave, but he is in the hearts of all those who have believed in him. We have been forgiven by our Heavenly Father through what Jesus did for us. Jesus paid a price for our freedom. You know that, right? When you sin and when you make mistakes, you need to know that it don't just affect you. Okay, a lot of times when we make mistakes and we do things, it, it has a ripple effect. It, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt other people. But Jesus paid a price for our freedom, for the sin, and that price was giving His own life for us. You know, the Bible says in Matthew twenty-eight, one, it says, "Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake." For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Man, could you imagine that sight? Wow. Angel come down, boom, kick that stone, man, bring it on, Jack. He's gone. Hallelujah. His countenance was like lightning. The angel's countenance was like lightning. And his clothing is white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him because and became like dead men. And that would have been a sight, too. <laughs> you ever just walked up on somebody and they become a dead man? <laughs> Don't move. <laughs> You know, we don't really see this, man, guys. This, this happened. This is not a fairy tale. This really, really happened about 2,000 years ago. I mean, and sometimes we read over it and we just think, okay, all right, what's next? Okay, let's get some chickens. We're good. We're all right. But this stuff happened, man. I mean, it, it's really crazy. Hallelujah. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And as he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Did you know that it was two ladies, Mary Magdalene and Mary, which I believe is the mother of Jesus. And all you mothers, y'all would have been the first ones there too. Amen? I mean, all the mothers, y'all know what's going on. Hallelujah. That's your baby. I mean, he was, he was the, her first baby. I mean, even though he was the son of God, it still was her first baby. So she runs to him, Mary Magdalene. She had like several demons in her that was cast out of her. I mean, come on. If you had a bunch of demons in you and they left, wouldn't you be happy? Come on. Well, we can help you today, okay? Hallelujah. <laughs> if you've got the demons harassing you, we can help you in Jesus' name. But these two ladies were going, and they was going to prepare the body. Because, see, in Israel in that time, they, did, they didn't do nothing on Saturday. Saturday was kind of like their Sabbath rest, so they didn't do anything on Saturdays, okay? So they, they, it was forbidden for them to do anything like that. So they were going Sunday morning to do it. You know, we in America and really the um, American church, we celebrate our Sabbath on a Sunday. Well, Israel and the Jews, they celebrate their, their Sabbath on what day? Saturday. That's their first day of the week is Saturday. Ours is Sunday. No big competition. We ain't going to fight over it, okay? But that's just what they do. So they ran to the tomb, and then when they got there, they seen that it was empty. I mean, come on, guys. 
If you was going to the tomb or the grave of somebody you loved and you saw that it was empty, would you not be a little, little like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> who took my, you know, father or mother or wife or kid? Who, who took my baby? Amen? So they had a reason to kind of go, man, what's going on here? Hallelujah. That's why the angel said, whoa, whoa, whoa time out. Because <laughs> they'd have freaked out even worse. And say, look, don't, don't, don't be in fear. Don't worry. He's okay. He's risen. Go and tell his disciples. And that's what gets me about people that say, well, we just don't believe Jesus, you know, uh, rose from the dead or we don't really believe these kind of things. Man, we got a book with eyewitness accounts of him being seen by multiple people. On, that's why this book was written to skeptics, okay? Jesus is real, okay? He is alive and he's well. And I promise you, if you'll reach out to him today, he will reach out to you today and touch you in Jesus' mighty name. 1 Corinthians tells us in 620, it says, you were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then, Paul tells us, honor and glorify God with your body. We was bought with a price, guys. Every single one of you guys was bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He gave his own life for you. And I'll be honest with you, man, when I was coming into this, this church thing and this Jesus thing and all this kind of stuff, because I was a wild animal, man. I mean, I did. I had. I, I did it. I did it, man. If it felt good, we did it. Hallelujah. If the party wasn't alive enough, we felt one that was. I mean, we was having fun on the weekends, okay? So I'm getting used to all this Jesus thing. And then once I started hearing about Jesus and what he did for me, man, it was something that started going off on me, man. I'm thinking, man, if that guy would go through those great links, he would be tortured and whipped and beat and spit on. I mean, come on, dudes. <laughs> Guys, come on. Spit. Somebody hocked a big one and spit in your face. That's not going to go over too well. I mean, there was things done to him that I'm telling you what was degrading. He was brought out to the public naked. I mean, he was just shamed upon and he was just beat. I mean, when I see somebody to go to that length to save me from all the mess that I had done or, or, or was going to do, it, it was a call to action. He's got me. I'm sold. I didn't need, listen, church didn't get me. People didn't get me in church. I mean, listen, man, the preachers could commit adultery. All the people in the church could be, you know, lying and stealing and cheating. It didn't matter. I was sold on Jesus. Jesus was going to be my Lord. Because if he would do that for me, I could at least give him my life for him in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, man, it was done for me. And that's what I want to see for some of you guys, man. Let's don't look at Jesus through the eyes of a church or the past or a religion. Man, look at Jesus as a person that really went all the way for you and me. He didn't stop. I mean, he could have. Guys, listen, the Romans didn't put him on the cross. The Jews didn't put him on the cross. The sinners didn't put him on the cross. Stop and think about that. Nobody put him on the cross. You know who put Jesus on the cross? Jesus put Jesus on the cross because he loves you. He loves me. Amen. Because he said many times, no man can take my life. I give it. How many times did they try to kill him and he just kind of break through? Hallelujah, break through. Listen, he could have called angels and they'd have swooped him out of there in a heartbeat. But you was on his mind. And I'll be honest with you guys, anybody that would have me on his mind and go through that pain and agony, which, don't get me wrong, Mel Gibson and the Passion of the Christ, I know some people will bash him and say, well, he wasn't even close. I think he did a great job. And that actor did a great job of portraying Jesus. Amen. He got lightning struck him twice on set as he was doing that. I mean, he would have to stay in hours and all that stuff. I'm telling you, it got on that man. But he portrayed something in that movie that I believe really is about the closest thing 
to see it in ourselves that you can actually witness. And there's parts of that movie that I had to turn my head. I couldn't look. I couldn't. I mean, man, there was one scene where that Roman soldier, man, hit that cat of nine tails while he was on the whipping post, and he went to pull. I had to turn my head because he just yanked flesh out of Jesus. In that day, crucifixion was the roughest death penalty you could ever get. And I'm going to tell you something, man. It was, it, was, it was rough, okay? Most people never made it to the cross. They died. They died, okay? But he not only made it to the cross, he carried his cross. Let me tell you, come on, dude. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, Jesus did that, and he did that with you on his mind. I'm telling you, while we were messed up, jacked up, doing our own thing, Jesus is saying, I'll leave the comfort of heaven. Think about that. We're talking about a king, man. What king in any state or kingdom right now would leave their kingdom, their palace, to die for their subjects? He left a place of bliss. He left that for us, and he did it with joy. I'm telling you guys, I'm sold on Jesus, period, period. I am. I'm sold on him, and I want you to be too. Jesus left the comfort of heaven and submitted his will to the will of the Father to give us a new life. He came and paid a price we could not pay for sins he did not do. And if he doesn't do it, then we are forever separated from God. Thank God he came and demonstrated his love for us by going all the way to the cross and taking our punishment. Jesus gave his life for our life. Are we giving him our, are we giving him our life for his life? He gave his best for us. Are we going to give him our best? Are we leaving the comfort of our life for the obedience of his word? People, we don't realize, but Jesus was tempted like every single one of us. At any point, he could have chosen to sin and made excuses for it. Ah, well, it ain't that bad. I mean, at least I ain't as bad as the Pharisee over there. I mean, you know, I'm doing a little bit better than them. He could have made excuses at any time for a sin to commit. He was pulled. He lived in the flesh just like you do, just like I do. He had opportunities to lust. He had opportunities to go, whoa, that chick is hot. I mean, they had women back then, right? Or did Jesus just float off the clouds and it was all guys hanging around? Come on. Women are pretty today. Women were pretty there, okay? <laughs> okay. So he had the same opportunity to engage in some of the same things that we struggle with today, but he did not. That don't make the struggle any less real. He had a struggle. His flesh wanted to do things that it wasn't supposed to do, just like ours. I mean, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross, and he's saying, hey, 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 Daddy, Daddy, whoa, <laughs> we got a shortcut here? <laughs> you got another way? Let's talk about another way. Why? His flesh is pulling. It don't want to go through that. It don't want to be a part of that. And he not only did that one time, he did it three. Three times. I mean, come on, man. So he knows what you're going through. That's another reason why you want Jesus in your life. If there's anybody that can really know what you're going through, it's Jesus. Oh, nobody knows what I'm going through. Well, they may not out here, but he does. Well, I can't see him. I got I to have somebody I can see. No, the people you can't see that you're about to share your info and get your info from, I promise you, you'd much rather be seeing somebody you can't see, okay? All right? Because they're liable to tell you anything. They're liable to tell you all kinds of stuff. I don't like to get my advice from people. I don't seek the advice of a man or a woman. 
I'm not saying it's not a bad idea, but if you are going to do it, make sure there are people that really are people of the Bible or people of the Word, and they're going to really speak softly, and they're going to really take time to give you some good advice. No, my advice comes from this right here. This right here is all you need. If Jesus said it, he died for me, he said it, he'll do it. If he'll go to that length to save me, okay, and go through all of that, I'm sure he'll go through that length to help me pay my bills and heal my body. Amen? Yes, he will. I don't go nowhere without Jesus. And I can tell you, wherever I go, I don't care how dark it is, when I step in the room, Jesus just stepped in the room. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not in fear of anybody. I'm not scared of anybody. Why? I got Jesus on the inside of me. So wherever I go, there's a chance for revival. There's a chance for something good to happen. Amen? Hallelujah. How many of y'all feel your heart just stirring? Man, you won't be like Jesus. Man. Be like Jesus. Woo! Man, I just love him. I love him. I love him. Well, see, for me, guys, when I think about what Jesus did, and we all know the what. We know what Jesus did. But there's times I want to go, well, why did he have to do that? Why did he have to do that? Why did he have to go through that mess? I like to know the why, not just the what. If we find out the why, maybe it'll help me stay away from doing what I don't need to do, okay? So what I want to do is just back up real quick, and I want you to kind of see the why he had to do what he did. And we're going to expand a little bit on it, and then we're going to, we're going to baptize some people. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Bible says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not what? You shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall what? Surely die. Son, if you don't clean that room, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. Daughter, if you don't get that straightened up, this is what's going to happen. They had one command. Don't touch the tree. Don't touch the tree. Don't go near the tree. Get away from the tree. They were told by God not to do something. Why did God put the tree there? Have you ever thought about that? Why didn't he just leave the tree out of the garden? We could have stayed in a good time. No, 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 no. He wasn't creating angels or celestial beings that were completely submitted to him. He was creating people and giving them a free will. The only way he could give us a free will, we had to have a choice. That way on the day that we all stand before God, you can never stand before God and go, well, man, I just never really had a chance to get Jesus in my life. Oh, no. No. Amen? You had a will. And people say, well, I just can't believe in that Jesus stuff. I can't believe in all that. No, no. It's just, anybody says, I can't believe something, just shake your head and say, that it's not possible. That's not possible for you can't believe in something. No, the proper way to say that is you choose not to believe in something. Not you can't. That's baloney, okay? You choose not to believe in something. So they were faced with a dilemma like me and you were faced with every day. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Holy Spirit tells you not to do it. You want to go ahead and do it anyway. Right here, we see where things start to go wrong. In Genesis 3.1, it says this. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than all the beasts of the field which the Lord God made. How many of y'all like serpents, man? Y'all got serpents maybe just kind of hanging around your rooms and chilling out and whipping them around, rattlesnakes, glory, cobras, you know, hey, man, eating dinner with cobras and stuff like that. You know, no. Really, most people, now there is some people that, you know, really <laughs> are out there. They like snakes, okay? Uh, I like them in a box or 
as they're swiveling down to the woods. <laughs> Hallelujah. But um, it says, and he said to the woman, and I definitely don't think I'd keep a snake at talk. Ain't happening, Jack. I mean, the serpent's already bad enough, but he starts talking to me, and we got a problem here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hallelujah. So I guess that was a common thing because it didn't throw her off, you know? So, I mean, I guess maybe lions were, hey, bro, what's going on? What's happening? You know, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe they were all talking. I don't know. But uh, it says, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Now, that question should have been easy to answer, shouldn't it? I mean, it should have been easy. And the woman said to the servant, didn't say yes or no, okay? We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Why are we even talking to a serpent? <laughs> it's got to be a bad thing from the get-go. No. Bye. Get out of here. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And friend, I want to tell you, you take that phrase right there that the serpent said, and he's just modified it for our day. He's just modified it. That's all he's done. He'll take these things and pleasures of the world, and he'll basically put some good language behind it. Well, they said if I do this, it wouldn't be a good. Well, you know what? It ain't going to be that bad. Yeah. He does the same thing today. He hadn't changed. He just uses some different language. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, notice that the tree was not ugly, didn't have pitchforks on it, it wasn't, you know, flames, and it wasn't scary looking. The tree was good. That it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took up its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, because, you know, we follow our wife. Hey, baby, how you doing? Hey, baby, what are you doing? Hey, baby. So, you know, the man went far away. And, of course, they had women. She was looking good. So, hey, man, we don't want to make the woman mad. Who wants to make the woman mad? Anybody want to make the woman mad? We'll make the woman mad. We'll make that woman mad. Hallelujah. Oh, to God. I mean, we just give our soul to make the woman happy. <laughs> but he ate that fruit, too. Can't, can't knock him out. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. You would have thought they'd have got excited about that part. Woo! Hey, mama, whoa! But see, there must have been something in that day to where there was something that was clothing them besides just skin. It was his glory. Amen? They didn't look at each other like we look at each other today. Okay? Because I can promise you, had everybody come in here walked in here naked, it would have been a different story. Okay? No, I know y'all wouldn't have done that, but I'm just saying it would have been a different thing. That day, if we'd still be having church underneath no sin, we'd all be naked in here. And wouldn't even think about it. It was just a common thing. You didn't need clothes. But see, our, our, our minds can't even wrap around that. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves some coverings. Genesis 3, 13 through 15. This is where it all goes south. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled and deceived me, and I ate from the forbidden tree. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than the cattle, and more than any animal of the field. On your belly you shall go. Do snakes fly? Now, I'm not saying rare exceptions. I know some of them may jump out of a tree and fly. But I'm saying, on average, most of them are on their belly. And it says, on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now, this is the part I want you to really grab a hold of. And then he says, I will put intimacy, open hostility between you and the woman. And between your seed, small letters, offspring, and her seed. You see that? Capital, I think it's capital. That's talking about Jesus. God was prophesying Jesus right there. 
He said, I was going to raise up somebody to, to actually crush your head. He shall fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel, meaning that he would, you know, absolutely, you know, beat him. The, what Jesus went through was bruise your heel, but he would crush his head. This right here was prophesied 4,000 years before it ever happened. But the reason Jesus had to come was because of what? Sin. They disobeyed. Disobedience always leads to punishment. Always. Well, man, they're doing this and they're getting away with it. No, my friend. They, don't nobody do anything wrong and get away with it. Okay? Don't nobody. They may think they are, but they're, they're not. Well, this right here, because of the one sin. Now, I'm kind of of the opinion, why didn't he just send Jesus the next day and we could have been done with this thing? Not a bad idea, right? Boom, Jesus. Boom's over. We're back to normal. That's a question I'm going to ask him when I get there. Why did he wait 4,000 years? But nonetheless, we see what happened because of the result of 4,000 years, that one sin turned into what? Was there a lot more sins? I mean, had Jesus come back, he would have only had to take the, that one sin. But now that it's been so long, Jesus has now got to take the sins that are just enormous. I mean, the sins had done got so bad, he had already flooded the earth to clean the earth with Noah and start a whole other generation, and now he had done got bad again. I'm going to tell you, sin kills. Sin destroys. Sin is nasty. That's why God don't want you to sin. He wants you to stay away from it. It will drag you down. It will keep you down. God had a plan to get us back from the devil, and Jesus was the seed that would crush his head. This is the reason Jesus had to come to earth and give his life for us. Adam was a perfect man that lost his place with God due to his disobedience. So it was going to take a perfect man to get it back. Not just anybody could get it back. Because if you'll read your Old Testament, as soon as that happened, the, the devil didn't know what the seed was going to be. He didn't know who it was, he didn't know it was going to be Jesus 4,000 years. What did he do? He saw Cain and Abel. And he saw that Abel was precious in God's sight. So what did he do? He moved on Cain to kill Abel right then. Because he thought that could have been the seed. That could have been the one that was going to crush his head. And this goes on all through the Old Testament. Anytime any prophet or man of God would be raised up and God would put his stamp of approval on it, you've seen the enemy come to try to destroy that individual time and time and time again. And then he tried to do it with Jesus when Jesus was born. Remember? And then he sent the, he told, uh, got moved on Herod, and Herod said, kill all the babies two years and younger. Let's wipe them all out. And Joseph was, you know, uh, was in a dream and, and told him, say, get your kid to Egypt. So God had to direct Jesus around it. But the devil thought he had took Jesus out when he told Herod to take all the babies out. He thought he had done away with him until Jesus, 30 plus years later, got baptized in the River Jordan. Came up and then God spoke. And then what did the devil do immediately? Came. Came immediately. They went to the wilderness to be tempted. How many days? 40 days and 40 nights. All right? The struggle was on then, but it was too late then. <laughs> Jesus was filled with the Spirit. It was on like Donkey Kong. Hallelujah. You're going down, Jack. It's on, okay? Jesus was there, baby. He was there. It was on. It was one-on-one -on -one now. We done got the Spirit in him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it was going to take a perfect man. God, it will take a perfect man. When we sin, it has a price tag on it. Somebody will pay for our disobedience. This plan, like I said, took about 4,000 years. Now let's look at the seed, Jesus' arrival to the earth, and what he said he must do. Mark 10, 45. Jesus said this out of his own mouth. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was well off, guys. He had no reason to come to this earth to do what he did other than he loved Jesus. 
He wanted you. He wanted you to have a way back to him. So Jesus left the comfort and came here to be a ransom for you and me. If you were standing in the courthouse today and you had did a, you did a crime or you, you, you disobeyed and the judge was about to sentence you to maybe $200,000 and 10 years in prison and somebody stood up, walked to the, said, Your Honor, can I have a word? He says, look, I would like to be the ransom for this individual. I'll take all their punishment and you let them go. What would that do to you? Would that not bring a sense of obviously honor and respect for the one who just did it and probably fight with them and say, no, you don't deserve it. I deserve it. No, you didn't do anything wrong. I did the wrong. Yeah, that, that's how it would go down more than likely. But nonetheless, when you walk out of that courtroom, you know that you had been given something you didn't deserve. And that's the same thing with everybody in this room today. Some of you guys have had multiple chances to give your heart to the Lord. You've had opportunities to say yes to Jesus, but you keep holding on to your wages of sin. And the sad part about it is, is if we don't let Jesus come in and take that from us, we're going to stand before God one day and we're going to have to make that payment. And it's a payment we can't make. It's a payment you and I cannot make. It's going to be a bad day when that happens. And a lot of people is going to have to be faced with that. And it's not trying to scare anybody, but it's a, it's a reality. I mean, how many of y'all get a little nervous when you know you're getting ready to go to court? I mean, you're getting ready to stand before the judge. You know, you've kind of, you got the ticket, you got the fine, you've kind of been wading through this thing, and now's the day you're going to be standing before the judge. Hey, how you doing, man? I mean, I did. I mean, when I've done it, I'd be a little nervous. I'll be honest with you, man. Them dudes, they, they can be a little scary sometimes. Hallelujah. Romans 5.18 tells us, yes, Adam's one sin. How many? One sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of obedience brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Unfortunately, guys, when you was born, you were a sinner. Period. Lost. Because every seed produces after its own kind. Adam and Eve missed it. They didn't die naturally. Did you notice when he said you will surely die? He was not talking about their natural body because they lived 900 something years. There was a side on the inside of them, a spirit inside of them that died that day. That spirit. And everybody that's born, you're not born dead per se fleshly. You're born dead spiritually, the part you can't see, the most important part of you. And Jesus came to give that spirit on the inside of us new life for all those that would accept it. That's why we don't hear a lot about the spirit. You'll hear everything about the body. Has anybody ever read magazine stuff about the body? Six pack, no pack, go to the gym, get it, baby, do it, come on, lose it before the summer. You want to get in that bikini? Come on, you know. Everybody's thinking, yeah, man. I'm going to get that bikini or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, guys don't care. They just go on beaches, whatever, okay? But I'm saying, you know, but the point is, we focus a lot on the body. And then we got magazines and books that want to get us smarter up here with our soul. So we see a lot of information about the soul, a lot of information about the body, but very little information about the spirit. And that's the most important part of you and me. And that's what Jesus came to fix because if you fix your spirit, you'll fix everything else. You got to fix the center, you got to go to the core of the problem. And when you fix that, everything else begins to, to get better. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might. Notice the word might. 
because everybody has a, ch a choice. You can choose it. I just want you to see, guys, that Jesus paid a heavy price for all of us in this room. And a lot of us in this room sometimes cannot accept forgiveness. A lot of people in this room, when you do something that you, you felt bad about doing, you, you, you feel like, well, man, there's no way he could forgive me. Let me tell you something. There's no sin you commit today, tomorrow, or next week that Jesus will not forgive you on. I don't care what it is. Jesus is a forgiving God. He came to bring us forgiveness. Thank God. God loves each one of you more than you will ever know. God has never stopped chasing you, and he never will stop until he has, has your full heart. God sent his only son to, to, so he could give his creation so that he would have many sons and daughters. The empty tomb is the best news you will ever hear. Jesus rising from the dead has given us access to a father who loves us so much. When we ask Jesus to come into our heart and save us, something happens that is amazing. Our Heavenly Father comes to live in our heart by the Holy Spirit and walk with us every day. God now abides in the hearts of men and women that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Wow, what an advantage to have the creator of heaven and earth living inside of us. This is a game changer, guys. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Therefore, let us, with privilege, approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need and appropriate blessing coming just at the right, time, at the right moment. That's why I don't go to Facebook to express what's going on in my life. You will never see a post from Nathan Gibbs about something going on in my life other than I love this woman like crazy ridiculous. You're going to see that. You're going to see that. And I love my kids. I love my kids. I love my family. You'll see that right there. I don't go. You know, why, why would I want to go to Facebook when I can go to the throne? Amen. Hallelujah. I get to walk right on in the throne, man. Come on, man. I get to talk to Jesus, my Savior. And I get to see him watch and move and change things in my life. And it's the same thing you can do. When you go to Facebook, you'll get sympathy. When you go to Facebook, you'll get arguments. You'll get junk. I don't need what you got. Because <laughs> what you got is what I got. We in a load of trouble, man, but I need what he's got because what he's got can change what's out here. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. The tomb is empty. The grave is done away with. Jesus has stepped away from it to step into your life. He wants to see your tomb empty, your grave set free. Hallelujah. He wants to bring new life to every area of your life. And some of us, we do experience trouble. We do experience setbacks. We experience these things, but you don't have to stay there. Look to God. Man, I don't care if you're a sinner or you're a saint. You're going to experience problems. You're going to. I don't care who you are. I mean, somebody says, well, when I became a Christian, everything fell apart. Man, everything's going to fall apart whether you're a Christian or not. The question is, is who's going to help you put it back together? Hallelujah. Jesus will help you put it back together. Amen. And the good news about, about forgiveness is in 1 John 1, 9, which was written to Christians, not sinners, he said, John said, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not conformity uh, with his will and purpose. We have an advocate. We have somebody, guys, we can run to. And I'm going to tell you something. There's been times in my life that I've went to this great king, and I've said, King, Jesus, I'm going through something. Can you help me? Did Shazam pop out of the sky? No. Did it change right then? No. But I can tell you what, it did start changing. 
And I know I use Belinda as an example a lot because I've never been hurt in any in my life. I've never experienced any type of pain and hurt and despair and, and loneliness and lost uh, in my life is, is when she walked through a time in her life with her health. And I didn't know if she was going to live or die. And, and see, no, most people don't even know it because I, I don't share it, okay? There was a very select few people that I would even share with, and it took a while for that because it didn't, it, God was bringing me out of this, okay? God was going to help us. But when, you, when you're told that you're, the, the love of your life, okay, is, is possibly, you know, facing death, it, 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 it crumbled my knees a little bit. I buckled a little bit. But I remember in my living room, I remember walking around the yard. And I know I say this a lot because it's real, okay? And it will help you if you're facing a situation right now. As I went to Jesus and with tears, I'm talking not, you know, trinkle, okay? Not like, oh, there's a little tear right there. No, no, no. Balling before my Savior, okay? Not asking him why because he's never the problem. He's the solution to the problem. Why God? <laughs> I mean, Adam and Eve should ask that question. I should be asking Adam and Eve, why did you eat the apple, you goofball? I mean, that's why I'm dealing with this stuff. But anyway, I'm talking to Jesus, and I'm asking him for help. Did something zap out of the sky? No. But over a period of days and times, things got better. Things got better. And when it looked like it wasn't, but I kept staying with Jesus, staying with Jesus, staying with Jesus. I promise you guys, you can experience a new day today if you'll be willing to step out of your comfort zone. Step away from your life and let Jesus step in. You've got to do it. He's not going to force you. He's a, he's a perfect gentleman. But you've got to say yes to him and he'll say yes to you. Glory to God. We have access to everything in the kingdom of God when we say yes to Jesus. Healing, blessing, peace, joy, strength, love. Man, come on, man. We got access to everything he has. He just opened, Jesus is referred to as the door. You walk through the door. How you doing? All right. Here we go. We're in the kingdom now. Okay? I mean, you get to partake of everything Jesus has. Why would you say no to that? Why would you say no to the king of the universe, the one who created you and created me? I said yes. Hallelujah. I couldn't help it. Glory to God. I had to. We are waiting. Uh, what are you waiting on? Give Jesus your life today and watch your life change for the better. Think about this, guys. If we know best, then why do we change our mind all the time? Uh-oh. I think we might have hit a good nerve right there. Man, I feel like I need to do this two weeks later. You know what? I don't think I need to do this. Well, you get some Christians. They really get spiritual. Well, God told me. And then three weeks later, he doesn't change his mind. We serve a schizophrenic God? No. <laughs> if God tells you something, trust me, it's going to work out. You didn't hear from God. You heard something else. Hallelujah. If we know best, then why do we change our mind all the time? Cars, jobs, relationship, college, homes. If we know, be, know best, then why do, oh, why do we need a Savior and Lord over our life? Because we do not know what the right thing is to do. We need His leadership in our life to make the right decision all of the time. If we make decisions about things of lesser value, then what are the chances we could do that with things of greater value like eternal life? If we could miss it, if we can miss it with these lesser things in our life, okay, which anything that I've just named, cars, houses, any of that, that's a lesser than. When you step out of your body, everything that you have on this earth, it stays. The greater is there. That's why when you're given an opportunity to make a decision for a God, because see, the reality is, guys, there's a lot of different religion in, in the world, okay? But there's only one that paid the price for the problem. 
There's only one that has a tomb that's empty. That's why I can't buy into any other religion. I must be honest with you. If you're here, I, I love you. I do love you. And I'm not against you. But there is no other religion that fixed the problem of sin. Jesus is the only one that fixed the problem. And I'm not. If I got a car that's not working right, guess what? I've got to go to a mechanic to fix it. I'm not going to a mechanic that don't know how to fix it. Oh, well, you know, we just got to deal with it. You know, just walk through this thing. It's going to be all right. It'll be okay. You just, no, I want somebody to fix my car. What's well, the same thing with my spiritual life? Amen? Amen? The tomb is empty. He is risen. He did his part. Will you do your part? Today's the day of salvation. So let this be a day that you say yes to Jesus. And Wanda, you can go ahead and go get ready. Uh, Emily, I, I guess you go ahead and let her know. She can go ahead and get ready. We can go ahead and dim the lights. Band, y'all can go ahead and come up, but just kind of play a little softly. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. I want everybody to just close your eyes for a minute and just kind of on Jesus. Because the reality is, guys, this is a time to where you get to make a decision yourself. And I'm not going to call you out, man. I'm not going to have you come to the front. Um, but I do want to pray a prayer with you guys. And if you're really serious about giving Jesus your heart, you don't have to go get in front of people. You can do that right in your chair, right where you're at. You can say yes to Jesus right there. Maybe, maybe you're there and you maybe say, well, you know, Nathan, man, look, I said yes to Jesus years ago, but you know, I'm really not really walking with him like I should. And today it stirred my heart to make a new commitment, a fresh commitment. Man, what a better day to do it, man. What a better time than right now is to say yes to Jesus and no to the things. Maybe you're struggling with some things. Nathan, I'm just going through some things, man. I just, man, I just can't seem to get over, man. Every time I try to, try to you know, quit, I go back to doing it again. Let's give Jesus a shot, amen? Let's put Jesus in your life. I like to tell people a lot, a lot of times, man, if, just take a year of your life. Take a year of your life and give Jesus a whole year and do everything that Jesus tells you to do for a whole year. At the end of the year, evaluate your life. Because the reality is, guys, is how's your life going right now? How's it going? How is your life going? I want us all just to kind of close our eyes. Father, we just thank you and praise you, Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, that our hearts would be turned towards you today in a bigger way, a better way. Oh, Father, we love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And what I'm going to do, guys, is I'm just going to have everybody, if you would, stand. You've been sitting for a little while. And we're all going to pray this together as a family. And if, if that is you, and you say, you know what, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, or, or, or maybe, like I said, you've kind of walked away from the Lord, and you've kind of been running your own deal. Um, because the reality is, you know, if you ask the question, who's running your life? Are you running it, or is the Lord running it? That's a question that we all have to answer. And there's nobody that can answer that better than you can. So if you're in here today and you've been running your own life, I'm going to be honest with you, even if it looks good now, it's going to not look good in the future because we don't know how to run our own life. We didn't make ourselves. Only the maker knows how the product or the thing works, and that is God. He made us. He knows what we like what we don't like. He knows where we need to be and not need to be. So let's all together, we just pray this together. Hallelujah. Repeat this after me. And let's just, you know, in one heart, because I believe, guys, that God can touch you right where you are. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So just pray this after me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, give you my life. I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me, ask you to forgive me 